welcome to the Ripe Global Podcast. Once again, this is Mike Melkers from Hanover, New Hampshire, and it's kind of weird because I am Facebook Live as well as podcasting with my good friend and technician partner, uh, Lucas Lamont. So Lucas, welcome up to Hanover. It's been a while. Yeah, thanks for having me. How have you been? I'm doing well. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Recovering like everybody else. Yeah. Slowly but surely. There's a lot of recovering to be doing. Yeah, there is. There so, is. So um as far as the listeners go, I mean, I know Neil Diamond knows who you are, but a lot of the listeners don't. So give us a little thumbnail introduction of you know who you are, where your lab is, background a little bit, just kind of roll and yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So um I began uh, as a technician in 1997. And when I was 17, and uh, I've worked in a variety of different labs over the years uh, throughout the country. But right now, my laboratory is set up right on the, uh, well, almost on the waterfront of Gloucester, Massachusetts, which is where my family and I live. Um, it's the oldest fishing town in America, which has got some cool history. Um, and I can look at the water uh, from my from the seat of my ceramic bench, nice. which is great. So. Um, We've been there for 10 years and my lab has been open since 2014, but I've been in Gloucester since 2000 and uh, oh gosh, what was it? 2018, I think it was. So Gloucester, just yeah. a little bit up from Boston and then yeah. out on the coast, trust the Gordons fishermen, Gordons of Gloucester. Gordons that's of that's, Gloucester, that's, yeah. that's where that goes. Yeah. So the lab, seven years already, no kidding, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. was that when you were, uh, were, were you were basing out of the other lab, or is that when you actually started in Gloucester? It was itself? when I based out of the other lab. Okay. So I in, in, incorporated in 2014. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and for a while, I piggybacked off of other laboratories that had bench space available or, or what have you, and slowly but surely built up and, and until I was able to open my own. Very cool. Uh, officially. So, so yeah. what, what inspired you to open up on your own? I think it was... Uh, it was a lot of encouragement from peers. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm very fortunate to have uh, friends in the industry that are very encouraging, very willing to um, give up their knowledge and, and, and time. Uh -huh. And it was just a repetitive uh, thing. You know, when are you going to open your own lab? Why, you know, stop complaining about your boss and become your own boss. <laughs> now you can complain about yourself. And which I do to myself all day long. <laughs> Although you, you have a, you have a couple of different bosses in your life. Yeah. You, 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 yeah. Have, you have your one little, little worker that comes by. Yeah. Yeah. My, my youngest daughter on Dean, she's four and um, she loves coming by and she's got her set of models that she colors on and paints with an old ceramic brush that I have. And, we have a blast. That's and then she watches cartoons. Oh, that's right. Well, cartoons, that's you know, added bonus. Yes. That's probably how you got her on board. You probably, yeah. <laughs> so your other daughter actually has an even greater tie to the laboratory. Yeah, yeah. Why don't, you, why, don't you why don't you share that with us? Yeah, so when, you know, my wife has been my biggest supporter, of course, um, and she's far more creative than I am um in in the in the in the world of marketing and, and things like this and so when we were trying to figure out what i was going to name my laboratory um not that there's anything wrong with having a last name dental lab lamont dental lab or melker's dental lab mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that but i wanted to be a little bit more unique and my oldest daughter uh her name is andromeda 
and which is uh, a pretty unique name very much so. and uh it's a galaxy and there's more to it than that but that's what people know it by um and nasa's name for that is m31 <laughs> so it was my wife's idea she said how about m31 dental lab and i said dental studio would be good so we'll go with that and yeah that's how that name was born and it's a great conversation starter amongst uh doctors that i work with uh and patients that can buy for right. custom shades and colors and things um you know i'm a pretty talkative guy with patients and that's always something that they bring up and we 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 talk about so well, it's a good icebreaker that's one thing you know that's one thing that i love it's it's funny you're how far away are you two and a half hours about yeah, you know, this morning when I pulled it up on GPS, I always check with traffic. It was two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. So without well, traffic, there are some benefits that. of COVID. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we, we, we've made it a little bit faster. But one of the things that, you know, we have the, the pleasure of having you up <clears throat> sometimes for shades or sometimes for preps or sometimes for seats. And when you said it, it creates a personal connection, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I really enjoy working with you is when I talk to a patient that's never going to the lab. It's always going to Lucas or Lucas will be working on this. And your name comes up every single day, almost with every single patient. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're, he's almost blushing folks. To do that here. <laughs> but so as far as getting going and getting that going, so your lab is aside from Undine coming in, mm -hmm. you're, you're a one person show. Yeah. Talk, talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I've, um, I'm I'm kind of I, I enjoy the the solitude of of working in a laboratory by myself. Mm -hmm. I think I've worked in uh, boutique type labs and also uh, mid sized um, more production labs. I've had a little taste of everything. And one thing that uh, I I enjoy not hearing other people's high speeds mm -hmm. <laughs> and and you know other people's suction units and everything. And so. I just needed that for a while. It was something that I, uh, it was a conscious decision that I wanted to, to be by myself for that reason. More importantly, um, one thing that I learned from working at these other laboratories, I learned what not to do and what to do. Mm -hmm. And what not to do, one of the big things was when a doctor would call if there was an issue with the case or if they just wanted to talk to someone mm -hmm. um, regarding a, a you know, something specific, many times that laboratory didn't know which technician had their case, right. or they wouldn't know who worked on it. Right. And if the shade was wrong, or the margin was open, nobody knew who did it. And um, that was always a giant red, you know, uh, uh, it's a barrier. It's a barrier. It's a huge barrier. I remember working with some some bigger labs, and even if they knew which technician had done the work mm -hmm. they wouldn't let me talk to them yeah that's another thing too so, and what's the point yeah at, at that point you know um and so that is something that i always encourage with all of the doctors that i work with is you know they all have my cell phone number um and and i want them to call at any time reasonably <laughs> reasonable <laughs> times right um so we can talk about that case i want communication to be as best as possible with the person who's working on that case, which is which is me. Right. So I take all the glory and all the punishment for for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. So walk, walk us through without naming names, uh, sure. if you don't want or don't want. Walk us through what type of labs you've worked in from the beginning. Yeah, sure. So 
when I started in 1997, I worked in a one-person lab mm -hmm. up, up here in New Hampshire, uh, Chichester, New Hampshire. The owner's name was Charles Upham, mm -hmm. and he had one employee for nine years. And when I asked him if he was interested in taking on an, an apprentice, he said, I'm, I'm all set, I'm good. Okay. And it was literally the next day that his nine-year employee walked, <laughs> walked out. Oh. And he called and he said, are you still interested? Something happened. I don't know what's going on. But it's, you know, I, I need someone and I'm willing to train you. So, Sounds like you called a friend of the family. Yeah. It's like, yeah, how did that guy disappear the next day? Was, we don't know. It's a mystery. It's like I mean, the Hoffa you thing. know, you know, <laughs> forget about it. Forget, forget about it. About forget about <laughs> so, yeah, I vividly remember walking into that laboratory and going over things. And I had no idea anything about anything other than some dental speak because my mother was a hygienist uh -huh. and so she's the one that pointed me in the, in the direction of laboratory uh -huh. when when my guitar amp got louder and louder she said you need to figure out what you're <laughs> going to do here why don't you go work at a lab so anyway uh i still remember the first model that i poured i poured i poured and pinned the rock i poured and pinned the opposing instead of you know just i just remember like, like it was yesterday it's amazing that the first model you poured was a pinned model yeah yeah well it was a solid model that was going to be pinned. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but he was, uh, Charles was the, to this day, the best lab boss I've ever had. What made him that? His ability to teach. Mm -hmm. He was very patient, very clear in his instruction. Mm -hmm. And his motto was, there's no stupid questions, only stupid answers. And he said, if you've got something down pat and you feel like you need to ask me, uh, about that process or or you just you're at a sticking point I the communication was always there right um the other thing that made him uh such a great teacher not only was it was his skill in um you know the basics of marginal integrity occlusion although it wasn't uh we never went too far into occlusion it was just uh it was a tanaka Asami Tanaka um, anatomy and occlusion mm -hmm. style. Um, but it was, you know, marginal integrity, occlusion, contacts. He didn't do a lot of aesthetic stuff. He did a lot of, you know, um, you know, bridges and, you know, he wasn't doing veneers and stuff like that. Right. Well, it's New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Uh, so anyway, to this day, when I'm under the microscope, mm -hmm. it's what would Charlie do? If I have an issue, what would Charlie do? And um, and so, yeah, when that margin isn't clear, the doctor gets a call. If I've opened up the margin on accident, it gets repaired mm. or redone. Right. Re doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. And so those, those are the, the foundations that he laid for me. Um, and the other thing was, is when I decided after seven years to leave and move to Los Angeles to become a a rock star <laughs> not only was he incredibly supportive because my my uh intention was to take over his laboratory right uh when he retired and you know started when i was 17 and so when you know 2003 i guess it was i just uh i was in a band and it was like hey you know you only live once let's move to la and see what happens and yeah so like i said not only was he uh incredibly um supportive of that uh -huh. but he 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 was supportive in a few different ways let's put it that way okay. and so it was it was r really nice and and we've remained in actually i owe him a phone call it's been a while 
Um, oh, he's still around. Oh yeah, yeah. That's he's fantastic. he's retired. He's uh-huh. retired, but he's still around, and I'm friends with his daughter on Facebook. You know, but I'd love to. I'd love to meet him sometime. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Sweetheart of a man. So um, New Hampshire. Yeah. Rock star. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what happened then? Um. So. Yeah, I ended up working in some nightclubs as a as a bouncer. Some nightclubs. Some nightclubs as a bouncer. I think everybody knows which nightclub you have worked in, if if you name it. Yeah. So the, the Viper Room is where I started uh-huh. on the Sunset Strip. Um, everybody might know it as Johnny Depp owned that club at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sold it shortly after I started working there. Um, so I never had a chance to meet him, but I did see him sneak in the back door one time, which was kind of cool. But anyway, um, I enjoyed, you know, cracking skulls for a few years and I got to meet all of my musical heroes, well, a lot of my musical heroes and see some cool shows and meet some amazing people. And, um, but it had- its, In the cracker aisle. The cracker aisle. Tell yeah. the cracker, you gotta, you gotta tell the cracker aisle. Story. So, okay. So after I met my, my future wife, um, I was living with her in uh, East Hollywood or mm-hmm. towards East Hollywood. And uh, there was a, a grocery store called Rock and Roll Ralph's, which is where Rock and Roll well, Ralph's, or, or yeah, uh, Rock and Ralph's, I guess they called it. Which is Ralph's is like a Shaw's or right. or something here. Oh. Um, but this one was positioned in such a way on the Sunset Strip that um, after hours it was open twenty four hours a day, so you would see anybody and everybody there getting snacks and, and whatever. After all the clubs have closed. Uh-huh. And so it was, I was going to stop and get some cheese and crackers and maybe some wine or something, have a, have a nice romantic evening. I got off a little early that night, which a little early is, you know, one one in the morning, (laughs) two in the morning. So I went to the cracker aisle (laughs) and, uh, and it was just this, I remember it as being a massive shelf full of endless crackers, you know, (laughs) but uh, I stood there and I noticed a guy with a cowboy hat. And, and cowboy boots standing next to me but I, I was typical LA wear yeah typical LA wear and uh I heard this voice say there sure are a lot of crackers to choose from <laughs> and I said yeah you're telling me and I looked up and it was Dwight Yoakam <laughs> standing there and uh and I said do you know which ones you're gonna get because I have no effing clue <laughs> I said okay well <laughs> have a good night I picked up my triscuits or whatever it was and then it was a week later, I was working at the, the Viper Room and he showed up to play a gig or be a, a guest. I think it might've been, uh, who's that musician, Ben? Oh, I can't remember the musician's name, but it was a quiet night. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I did, again, I didn't see him. He came and stood next to me and he said, I finally found those crackers I was looking for. <laughs> and I looked up and I said, you got to be kidding me. He actually remembered me from the cracker aisle of the grocery store. Well, you're a little hard funny. to miss. You guys yeah. can't you guys can't see this uh, on the podcast, uh, but you can notice I am not in a shorter chair, by the way. You know, Lucas is like, I'm, hey, up I'm here. I'm yeah, he's like, he's slouching, he's slouching. <laughs> so Viper Room, yeah. how did you end up back in lab tech? So, land? yeah, so um, it was a few years that I did the, the security thing and um, I ended up meeting this, this lovely, beautiful young lady who um, I ended up dating for a while and then married and had kids with, you know, the thing that you do. But, um, you know, 
it was after that relationship started to get serious that I could only come home at three o'clock in the morning or four in the morning covered in things I don't want to be covered in and bruises and cuts and black eyes or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it just wasn't realistic and that's not the way I think. And mm-hmm. so I thought, you know, you know, I'm, I'm crazy about this, this girl. I, I love, I'd already confessed my love, you know, I'm not going to be one of those guys that just works security and doesn't do anything. Right. And, and so we talked about it and we both agreed that LA wasn't, she was born and raised in Hollywood. So, um, she said, you know, I went to school in Boston. I, I don't want to be here. All this that is much like the longer. song. LA ain't my kind of town. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Theme song, Babe, right? why don't we settle down? <laughs> yeah. And then they ended up in Boston. Please come to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> well, we read the lyrics to that song. And we did all... it, it, was a like love, a it was a love story instruction manual. <laughs> sounds like, exactly, exactly. Nice. But anyway, so that was the, uh, that was, I, I said, well, I have this, this hidden talent. And she said, well, what is that? Are you like a prince from, you know, do you have tons of money? I said, no, better. I'm a dental technician. Ooh, dental technician. She said, what is that? So I told her and she goes, well, you know, maybe I said, you know, it's, that's the one thing I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to get back into that. And so I started looking around and I found a laboratory, man, it was, it was a rough, a rough place. Oof. Um, so? It was, well, the owner, the owner was, he owned like a chain of, not a chain of restaurants. He owned a couple different restaurants of different chains. Like okay. he owned maybe a Starbucks and a McDonald's, you know, that was his thing. And right. he decided he wanted to buy a dental lab. Someone told him that it was a moneymaker. Okay. I heard that he sold it shortly after I left, but so the mentality there was not a good dentistry. It was, there's a product that needs to be done. And so we need to find the fastest and most efficient way and the cheapest way of getting it done. Right. No matter what. And so that was my first introduction into, uh, you know, piecework product uh, or um, conveyor belt, you know, factory work production line production line yeah and that was um that was a reality check for me mm-hmm. because working for seven years for someone who was so committed to excellence and longevity and quality i had never been to a place like that before um and so it was kind of a shell shock you know i went in there kind of strutting my stuff you know because i had all of these skills and I became the, 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 the one that wasn't valuable because I wasn't fast. Oh. And these guys were waxing 30 to 50 units a day. Oh, my God. Yeah. The model guy, he marked every day how many models he did on, on his calendar. Uh-huh. And his record was 120. And he got paid piecework and he drove a brand new Corvette. I might need to move down there. I can do 120 models a day. Yeah. I've done that for coursework. That's rough. That's rough to do one day, to do day after yeah. day. I, yeah. I'd be jumping out a window. Yeah, he was happy. He seemed good. But yeah, anyway. Well, you had a Corvette. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I worked there for a little while. And, uh, and then before I lost my mind, we decided, you know what? Let's, let's split. And so we did. Mm-hmm. And we ended up in Chicago for... Uh, 
and that's a really long story how we got from Los Angeles to Chicago, and I I won't put you through that I've, story. I've, I've heard that story. Yeah. I think that's a podcast. In the, yeah, in it's and a podcast. Yeah, and we would definitely need um be cocktails. Oh, sp- <laughs> we have a bottle of gin here. You, Lucas <laughs> brought. What did you bring me? You brought me a bottle of really interesting gin. Yeah, so it's um it's a aged gin uh-huh. and whiskey barrels. Wow, and so it takes the sort of floral ginny smell and taste away, mm-hmm. and adds a little bit of that sweet whiskey. It's it's really unique. Good. So Lucas yeah. and I, Lucas and I have a lot of loves and a lot of passion. Uh, dentistry, dental technology, uh, art, uh, helping others out, but also uh, food and beverage. So I gifted him some of my Jamaica jerk mm-hmm. uh, beef jerky and uh, some caramels from local, and oh, also some yeah. craft beers and some craft beers. So yeah. we'll, we have a good weekend ahead of us. Yes, sir. Yes, so Chicago, what what happened in Chicago? So Chicago, we. Uh... <clears throat> It didn't take us long to settle into Chicago. Um, we had to allow for a lot of dust to settle, and um, but everybody was good. Our cat was safe and happy, mm-hmm. and we were safe and happy, and we had a roof over our heads. Um, and it took me about a week to find a lab that was hiring, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was a really critical point in my dental career. How so? Well, I met. Uh, some amazing technicians that worked there um, that were, again, I'm, I'm, again, I'm so lucky. I, I'm just constantly running into people who are willing to help me and teach me. Um, and uh, so anyway, a friend of mine named Bernard Berga from Poland, mm-hmm. he worked there. He was, he was their main ceramist at the time. Right. And, uh, and, and this laboratory had, I think when I started there, they had maybe 15 employees. So it was, it was a small to mid-sized laboratory, um, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't that fast production pace. It was sort of in between. Right. It was like, you need to work quick, but things need to be, uh, things need to be correct. Okay. And so it was, a, it was a healthy mixture of both, I would say. But anyway, Bernard, is the one that uh, started showing me interior aesthetics, contour, embrasures, um, you know, different types of anatomy. And so he was really critical in teaching me um, how to think outside the box on some of those um, more aesthetic cases, uh, shapes and things. Um, but it's, to be honest with you, it was still, um, it was still a job that was, you know, I was looking forward to my paycheck mm-hmm. and looking forward to weekends off. Right. And it wasn't until, believe it or not, I found uh, Monier's Bonded Porcelain Restorations book. I think I have that right up yes, here. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And that was, it was literally a, I'm going to take a, a break while my crowns are in the oven and huh, what's this dusty book doing there? <laughs> and I flipped through and I immediately ended up in the section, the laboratory based chapter of the book. And, you know, Michel Manier is always, well, he quickly became um, someone I looked up to, even though I hadn't met him at the time. Yeah. But by looking through that book and seeing what his interior stuff looked like, um, I actually, this is a funny side story. Mm-hmm. I have a Polaroid photo 
of my first intraoral veneer case. Oh. And it's it's terrible, all right? It's actually, it's, it's not terrible, but the oh. photo is terrible. Anyway, I remember looking at the book and going, okay, there, there's a huge difference here. These look like veneers and these look like teeth oh. in the book. And I said, if I'm going to do this, by the way, we were pregnant with our first kid and I'm thinking, this is what I know how to do. I don't want to be the person that is just plucking a paycheck and complaining about their job to their friends on the weekend. I want to, I, I was, I think I was subconsciously looking for my passion, but hadn't found it. Okay. And, and it was actually through that book that sparked that passion. I need to make things look like this. And that was my first aesthetic you know, my eye-opening moment in the, in the realm of aesthetics. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, interestingly enough, a laboratory down the road from that lab that I was working at, they closed and they asked if they could store their dumpster in the parking lot of the lab that I worked at, okay. Schroeder, Schroeder Dental Lab. Okay. It was, they were friends and yeah, okay. yeah, it, it's a long story. But I remember during lunch break being outside and I don't know for some reason. Did you I go just, dumpster diving? Did you go dental dump, dental dumpster diving? Yeah, I've got that, that was nice. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, and I found uh, uh, some really crazy, cool quintessence, you know, books, and, and a lot of them were old school metal ceramic type stuff. But um, and I'm a I'm a I'm a uh, bibliophile anyway, so mm -hmm. I just started collecting these dental books and that was my first you know working there was uh, my first time ever going to the Chicago midwinter meeting wow yeah you just dropped right into that yeah yeah and so and you know what's crazy is looking back on that uh -huh. I'm thinking all of the people that I consider to be friends and mentors now mm -hmm. were were um, really mixing things up in the industry at that time and I was still just kind of walking around with my uh, dent supply bag or whatever it was that they hand out to you, you know, collecting toothpaste. Right. And um, yeah, so so it was, it, that was that helped fuel the the inspiration and uh, my desire to get better. Um, and you know, later I I got to meet those guys, you know, Josh Polanski, Thomas Singh, right, Michelle Monnier. I finally met him and. You know, it's it's nice to be able to communicate with these guys and uh, really whenever, you know, and and ask for help or or whatever. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing when you have not just a community, but uh, you know, community of support, but a community that has history like that. Mm -hmm. As I, you know, I remember <clears throat> back to the to the midwinter going with my dad since probably since I was about six years old, wow. and I remember meeting you know Richard Tucker. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was just starting to be a gold technician for my dad. And I remember being the little punk in the audience that actually asked questions and, and questions as build-up techniques. But, you know, I still, mm -hmm. I, and I met Russ DeBrew back then. Yeah. And I met, you know, I've known Russ, uh, rest in peace, since since high school. But all wow. those friendships yeah. continued. Yeah. And, you know, I see so much that also on Ripe. Mm -hmm. I met Lincoln probably 20 years ago, but... You know, there's so many members of Ripe that I knew well before that. And, you know, the, the culture, the culture of, I don't, I don't, I don't 
even know how to describe it, the culture of a group effort to improve others and yourself. You know, right, the, the old saying, rising tide raises all ships. Right. So, yeah, yeah totally. Absolutely. I love Russ. Oh, man, I miss him so much. I, I, yeah, I, I, I actually, I think you know this. I have his old waxers. Yes. So I think, I, I think yeah. you have one of his I old do. waxers. I do. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. It's, um, I need to build a shrine for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, great, great man, great mentor, great friend. So, yeah. so what happened after that? So five years working in Chicago, mm -hmm. living in Chicago. Um, I think our, you, so when I moved to LA, my future wife moved to Boston and she went to um, several uh, amazing schools in Boston. And then, uh, so it was, and she loved Boston. And growing up in New Hampshire, Boston was sort of my stomping grounds on the weekend, you know. And but anyway, she said, you know, Chicago's cool, but we never meant to come here. It was sort of on accident. And I'm I'd really like to go show you where I used to spend my weekends at college. And I said, okay. She goes, could we go for our anniversary? And I said, that's fine. My parents, you know, live in New Hampshire. So we came out and our anniversary is in October. And so we came out here, dropped, dropped the baby off with my folks. Mm -hmm. And she showed me Rockport and Gloucester. And we spent the night there. And I said, this place is so fantastic that in a year, I want to be here. Oh, really? And it was a year and a month later. It was 13 months that we ended up. So I was very close to keeping my promise. That's fantastic. Close enough. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so we found a little apartment in Gloucester and then, yeah, that's where we are. And I don't, I don't really see us moving anytime soon. We love Damn it. There. I had the basement already for it. It would be, it would be here. <laughs> it would be here if we moved anywhere. <laughs> so then you're, you're, at, so I think we've come full circle to yeah. when you were at ACT. Um, that was ACT, right? Uh, no. I forget the name of the lab. Oh, uh, ADT. 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 I knew there was an A and a T. Yeah. There, I, was, there was... I was off by one letter. You were off by one month. I was off by C, <laughs> yeah, C, D, T, whatever. Close. And then you ended up uh, out in Gloucester. You moved it out to Gloucester and uh, M31. And yeah. the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. So what, what keeps you going? You know, I mentioned... Uh, finding the passion for dental technology specifically yeah. because, in Chicago. Because but, so many people, I'm yeah. just interjecting there, so many people burn out yeah. on, on dental, being a dental technician. Yeah, totally. You can, you know, and I, nothing against technicians. I, I feel like I'm, you know, I have technician blood mm -hmm. in my veins. Mm -hmm. you know, and, but when I see the depression, the bitterness, the jaded sure. comments, yeah. but you know, you didn't get there. No, I mean, I've, I've battled those things mm -hmm. on and off for sure, but um, I'm a very observant person mm -hmm. and I've seen many of my friends and comrades in the field um, suffer from all of those things and, you know, divorce, um, burning out to the point of ending up in the hospital. Divorce, drugs, drinking, drugs, drinking it's like all, the, yeah. the triple D. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. Um, and I, I, I said, I, 
I don't want to be like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, good. You know, what can I do to not be like that? Mm-hmm. And I, I realized that by working for someone else, um, for me, it could be easier to get there because, you know, you complain about your boss, you complain about your coworkers. And I've, like I've said, I've lucked out with really great people to work for, but, you know, it's easy to complain when you're with a coworker that you get along with and he gets going or she gets going and you know, you feed off of each other. Right. And it can get um, very, um, what's the word? It can deteriorate quickly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what keeps me going is, uh, well, my, my ability to avoid that for the most part. And quite, quite honestly, um, you know, 2019 was a great year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all went through our, our beginning of COVID. Oh my God, everything's going to. I remember a lot of phone calls with you and I. Yeah. And um, it's so funny because, you know, although I hate saying looking on the bright side of something like this, because for a lot of people, there aren't a bright side. There's, there was no bright side. But for me personally, being forced to stay home with my family um, and uh, it it kind of snapped me out of what could have been the beginning of heading down that road right okay of the depression too much drinking you know just because i was working insane hours and and and, and looking back on it i was literally not completely but starting to veer off on that course of of putting myself in the hospital yeah and so that was my aha moment during COVID, which was I need to figure out how to support my family and not be stressed out and enjoy my work and not be there 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. And since things have gotten going again, I've been better at being able to find that balance because I've got that hindsight of what it was before. I had that right. break right. and that break allowed me to differentiate the, the two life sides. Okay. I think yeah. if, I think if we look back, you know, during that COVID time, because uh, you know, you, you and I are, are so close, is the first two months were rough. Yeah. Right? And they're and they're they're scary and they're frightening. Uh, but adversity, if you accept it, offers fantastic opportunities. Yeah. I mean one it one terror it can terrify you into motivating you to reset Mm -hmm. and i've seen that change within you in the last year of you know cutting your hours you're not at the lab till eight Mm -hmm. pretty much ever no i mean never i refuse you used to used to be there all the time oh yeah but and that's it help me out with this one Mm -hmm. so the majority of technicians in the united states solo practitioners or in a group or in a in a, a large lab um I mean, I would say the majority of them are in a large lab. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, majority of, of, of clinicians, mm. solo practitioners, very much like yourself, and you wear all the hats sure. and, you, and you take all the burdens along. Yeah. So, you know, I certainly have my, my, my team and I do uh, practice with you know, Dr. Paul. Talk about a lot of the inspiration that you've had and things that have keep kept you going and i know this i know this from your personality this will be a tricky or mm-hmm. difficult one for you to actually answer who do you inspire you know 
Um, that is a tricky one. <laughs> I knew it would. Be. I, I am. I'm really, you know, I mean, social media has been, you know, everything is a blessing and a curse. Obviously, we're using social media right now, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and we all know the curses that come along with that. But one of the really cool things is just being able to stay in touch with technicians that much easier. Yeah. And so whenever, whenever I get a message um, from technician who has decided to go out on their own mm -hmm. and they're freaking out a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if maybe, maybe when I, when I have the chance to lecture, maybe I, I have too much of a biography or, a, a, you know, I talk too much about my, my, the beginnings of, of my work in the, in the, in the profession. But for some reason, people tend to call me or message me when they're going through those growing pains or they're they're trying to get a lab going they've decided they're they quit their lab at the, the production place you know they're going to start their own thing right and so i've been very fortunate to be able to talk with these these people and give them advice of you know what do you buy first and how do you go about certain things and so uh and i I think I inspire them because I'm always thrilled to be able to help. It's not a burden for me. Like I get excited when someone asks me, you know, how, what should I do? And especially if I have the answer, if I don't have the answer, you know, that's another story, but um, I always find the answer for them or I help them find the answer. Yeah. And so if I can inspire talented technicians to get out of the rut that they're in, like I found myself in when I worked in laboratories, other laboratories um that's a great feeling and that's and and that leads into the whole teaching thing and you know i've had i've i'm not a seasoned lecturer but i've done it enough to know um how much of an impact that can actually have on a technician right uh, or or a dentist that might be i was, a, I was a, gonna a, say a, i audience. didn't want to interrupt because you were really on a roll but you've had a profound impact on clinicians as well including myself. I, I mean, we've had a, I, I don't know how many years we've, we've been working together now. I, I, I really, I really don't. It's probably six, five. Yeah. Five or six. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. I remember I saw, and you're talking about social media and I saw your work on say in some of the technician groups and I saw some of your PFCs. And I think when you look at work online and you don't know the person, mm -hmm. And you look at it, it's like, yeah, they really do that, you know, or is, is yeah. this that one special case that they worked their entire life on? Right. When I was like, because I saw some of your anterior zirconia units that floored me. I was like, zircon you can't do zirconia in the anterior. Mm -hmm. That's that's insane. Yeah. And I remember I signed up for that course and uh, that single central. Yeah. Oh, that was brutal. I got beat up bad. That was fun. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun, but uh, it, it also how supportive you were because i was the only i was the only clinician in the room that's right yeah. and the rest were uh production yes dentists it wasn't there they, you, you didn't have like no offense to production dentists, but you no. didn't have like the cream of the crop uh one crown a day aestheticians right you you had guys that had to roll it out fast oh yeah and they were done and i was like trying to figure out which end of my brush to start stacking porcelain with yeah <laughs> so the, the, those were those were really good days uh 
so it's naturally going to lead to the to that discussion we're talking about you know supporting other technicians supporting other clinicians and i, I was glancing over at the questions and i know uh, nausea uh, asked this and she's one of my good friends and and colleagues, and we have, we've had a, a mentor-mentee relationship, but it's moved well past that. We support each other. Mm -hmm. And she said, what five basic tips uh, of advice would you give to a general dentist to do before sending a case? What five tips would, of advice uh, to a general dentist before sending a case? Mm -hmm. what, what are you looking for? So what, what, what makes your day and what makes you tear your hair out? Yeah, sure. So that's a good question. I think, um, you know, obviously it depends on the case, but let's say, let's say we're doing, um, you know, six through 11 or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, um, I would say before sending the case, a pre-op photo, photo mm -hmm. uh, is, is really, I would say it's crucial. And so I can see what's going on mm -hmm. uh, and, and a phone call. We can pull it up on the computer screen together. We can talk about it. Um, it's even better if there's models involved, pre-op models. Yeah, that's not always possible. I I understand that, but to um, I mean, it was like the case that we were going over today. You sent me these models a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and we went over them, and um, and so everybody's familiar with the case, the patient. Mm -hmm. the patient has a name. Um, and, and, and so that's something that we can talk, you know, um, the frustrating thing about a lot of dental technology is, you know, I love seeing patients. Mm -hmm. And so when I don't get to see a patient, the next best thing is great communication from the dentist, photos, a story about the patient, wh whatever it is. Um, so I can put a face to that case. Right. Um, because it, constantly keeps me in check. This is a human being I'm working on. I'm not, I'm not completing five ceramic pieces of ceramic on a model and then sending it out. Right. There, there is intention behind all of this. And um, yeah, and someone's, I'm not going to be dramatic and say someone's life is hanging the balance or anything, especially in the six through 11, but, but it, you know, it's important. Um, so that would be my, my number one thing would be that initial communication so that the technician can become acquainted with that patient as much as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Gosh, that's only one. <laughs> that was a lot of one though. I mean, you, yeah, you, I guess you, you, put, you put a lot of stories. You know, yeah. they, you know, six through 11 is one thing. How about just basic posterior restoration? Sure, basic posterior. I mean, listen, I mean, uh, okay. Let's say it's a triple tray, basic, <laughs> basic posterior triple tray. Yes. Um, this, this might sound like obvious to some people, mm -hmm. um, but what, when I get an impression of yours, I don't, I can count on one hand, maybe a couple of fingers, how many times I've gone, that doesn't look quite right. Let me give Mike a call so we can chat about it, whether it's a margin or whatever. Um, and there are several times where I'll get cases from other dentists that are very talented that didn't throw an extra eye at that impression, maybe under a scope or whatever. Right. 
And there's nothing worse than sending an impression back that's 90% perfect and that 10% is not quite good enough to where you may get the patient back in, all of that stuff. So I would just say, you know, basic posterior restoration, that initial making sure that everything is clear and, and precise and the margins are good. And if there are any issues that can be um, fixed lab side, whether it's just a little pole or a little audio yeah. bubble or whatever, just just a note or a quick, quick, quick phone call. Hey, this impression's good, but this is here. Just, just adjust that. Yeah. Basic communication on that. I take, a, you know, I take a lot of pride in, in my impressions, and that doesn't mean they work out every time. And you know, when I when I see that with a patient, that you got that little devil on your shoulder that says, oh, you know, it's good enough, mm -hmm. or he can make it work. Right. And that's the time where I just tell the patient, I go, you know what, this is ninety percent there but the 10% isn't going to help you in the long run. Right. I said, if you don't mind, and actually, even if you do, I need to take a second impression. Sure. And I send those, actually that first impression to you mm -hmm. frequently. So you can see my mistakes or mm -hmm. the challenges. And maybe it wasn't my mistake. Maybe it was just an air bubble or yeah, sure. the cord popped up. Yeah. But uh, you know, that, that keeps it real. So, yeah, so what, what else, what else do we have about? Um, let's, let's see, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying it's uh, you know, the shade is A2 at the cervical and A2 A1 and A2 and, A2 and make it pretty. A2 and make it pretty. It's, <laughs> listen, I've I've talked to enough patients to where I know that some of them are, are I don't care. Just make it tooth colored, but I don't care if it's off or, or not. And of course, I always want to make it as natural as possible. Yeah. But getting, you know, photography, quick snapshot with a with a shade shade tab in place right just so i can see the calcifications and maybe the stains and what, what's happening because i want to be able to put that extra 10 percent into making it look natural yeah and, and you know um and so a quick photo and an email you know putting it in uh, whatever program that you can both look at um it's amazing how much those those photographs help because it can make a an a2 and make it pretty turn into an a2 and looking natural so i know when you bring that up you say well at a minimum it'd be really nice to get a photo mm -hmm. how about if you really wanted what you got if when you want shade communication mm -hmm. tell me what you know what your dream and i'm not and i'm not talking about a single central just bread and butter stuff you know maybe maybe a canine or maybe a bicuspid what is your dream scenario of wish list that you would get from the clinician? You, you know, you want that really nice impression, uh, you want or a clean opposing model and a nice bite. But when you get to the shade, walk us through what you wish you had with every case. Um, okay, we'll stick with the A2 shade. Okay. I'd love to see an A2 shade, an A1 shade, and an A3 shade. Why? Because I want to see what's too light and I want to see what's too dark. Right. Because A2 doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. A2 is just a, a piece of acrylic or plastic or whatever that we're looking at. And there is no tooth that exists as a perfect A2. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's just that extra 10% that I can put into it by having those one shade too light, one shade too dark, or a value, you know, when we use the 3D master shade, right. uh, you know, I'm always seeing a value that's, that's too light, a value that's too dark, and the ones in between that match. Or you know, close to that. So um, that type of photograph would be great. If you have polarized, 
the filters for the camera. Mm -hmm. That's great too. Again, that's I'm I'm. It's not necessary, but it's great if you can get it. You know, some of the ones that we do have them, some of the ones that we don't. You know, don't yeah, and I and that's the thing is I think you know we all we all slide back on that is and you're even saying it you're almost giving permission to not do it. I know, and I, yeah. So, so back to the wish list because, they, and I can't remember the lecture that I saw the Japanese technician in Boston the, with the shade communication. They, and I, Naoki Aiba. There we go. Yeah. So, and I, I always fought so hard to find that A2 or A3 and just have that right shade. Right. And then he opened my eyes actually to, I didn't have to work that hard, but I could get a better result. Mm -hmm. So taking, and I love when I switched to the 3D master box set. Yes, because I love the 3D, but the original setup is just a pain in the butt. Oh yeah, it's completely confusing. So where you can take the zero through four or five family, and mm -hmm. if you if it's the shade family two, you set up the one, you set up the two, you set up the three, so you have all three of those, and that's where you set the value. And then when you go to the two, you don't have to, again, you don't have to find that perfect shade. Find the one that looks about right, and then a couple, one or two on right. either side. Right. So, yeah. And then the polarized, which honestly, uh, in posterior restorations, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't kept up with that as much as I should. But that's, don't give but, me an excuse. I'll yeah. have them for you yeah. next. Year. <laughs> this is my veiled way of saying. Well, we have, we have, we have, a, we have a, we have a ten-unit case I'm prepping on Tuesday for you that we just waxed up this afternoon. Yeah, we do. So. Uh, so yeah, you will yes, wax on, wax on. <laughs> so we'll 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 have all those ready for it. No, that's great. Anything else? So you got so you got the great impression. You got the bite registration. You got the you got the uh, the shade, and you yeah. got the and you got the story. And you got the story. And Magically, it, that was there's your five. There's pieces. your five things. Yeah. Your five things. I have a tendency of being long winded on uh, simple questions, but this can't be true. It's true. It's true. I'm very long winded. <laughs> I'm a mumbler. <laughs> <laughs> nice so these relationships yours and mine or or so many clinicians and technicians they don't happen by accident and so, so tell us tell the listeners about our day real quick can i back up for a second back to the five points yeah yeah and this is gonna might sound kind of cheesy but i like cheesy it. i'm from wisconsin i love cheesy nice those five points, so long as communication is on each of those five points. One more time. Is so long as communication is involved with each of those five points. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So um, photography, it's all about communication. I, I guess it's just what I wanted to, to sort of cap that off with right it's communication 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 and that's what that's what today about today yeah is about so absolutely um yeah before covid and and even actually during covid we, we talked pretty much every day yeah so but you know we were together uh today doing waxing and mm -hmm. talking uh not only anatomy but also occlusion yeah and we've met in the past uh we've gone over photography and shade stuff mm -hmm. with my team and with my patients yeah and uh, we've gone to courses together yeah. and we have actually quite a number that we're doing this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward yeah, to I'm that as well. Very excited about that. Cool. That's going to be great. Well, we covered a lot. We did. Yeah. And we you missed... asked me a question. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I'm I, I actually, I actually said kind of uh, what happened today. So yeah, during our visit today, 
and this always happens, which is, this is not a bad thing that mm-hmm. I'm about to say, but I usually come here with this idea of how the day is going to go. <laughs> and I think you have an idea of how the day is yeah, going to go. Yeah, and it never goes that way, but it always goes really well. Right. At least I think today went well. Um, uh, but yeah, today we, we went over a fairly complex, you know, posterior uh, um, case that we're going to be working on that is not your um, A2 and make it pretty type of case and mm-hmm. more complex. We needed to talk about, um, you know, occlusion, 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 mm-hmm. uh, where to put these landing pads and some of these, you know, because not everything was textbook. And, you know, what some people would look at is just being a, a semi-large posterior reconstruction mm-hmm. for us was perfect um a perfect excuse not excuse but perfect time for us to get together and work that out properly so again i'm going back to communication mm-hmm. today was all about communication because we did it together we talked about it and now i know what needs to be done you know and um so with a, with a, uh, an upcoming case that would be just another case to some people is more than just another case to us, possibly because we're both a little crazy, which is Absolutely. awesome. Um, I didn't want to say that matter of fact. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. Well, I'm wearing an all black shirt on an Australian podcast. So you know, I'm wearing I'm, a striped shirt, which is, I never wear. A never do that on camera. <laughs> is it your pirate shirt it's my pirate shirt it's your pirate shirt yeah it's super comfortable that's it why cool. i wore it you know the case we did today though <clears throat> it's it, it never gets love okay it's not sexy it's yeah. posterior occlusion it's posterior anatomy but it's posterior anatomy on the upper fours and fives that is the first buys and the second buys and then a what do we have a a first buy to first molar bridge on each side and why are we redoing them? Because they're all broken dentistry. Mm-hmm. No decay involved on anything. And that's one of the, yeah, it's one of the gifts and curses of COVID. I mean, it's a curse because it's horrible that it happens to people. Right. And it's a gift because we, it keeps us busy. But the occlusion, 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 nobody needs occlusion. Uh, and I say this time and time again, they need what it can provide for them, mm-hmm. which is not broken restorations. Right. Broken restorations, you know, aren't great for the patient mm-hmm. and they're not happy broken restorations for us are also breaking our reputation right so it's a it, it's absolutely a unique case and it was a gift to have you up here just so close before we do it yeah. and uh, the amount of work and insight we put into that is kind of our own continuing education yeah so for sure speaking of that what's next for you what's what's next what what do you want to learn next Um, well, you know, the, I'm always looking to take a a course from someone that I admire in the area of ceramics, you know, layering techniques. Sure. Uh, the last one I took was right before COVID, uh, by a technician named Alex Aronin, who's... Was uh, that in Philly? Yeah. Yeah. That was at Josh Polanski's, um, laboratory. And that was... I mean, every course that I take is eye-opening, right. and, and I always learn something. 
um, that sticks with me. Those nuggets of, of knowledge and technique are, are great. But, um, you know, I can take ceramic layering courses until I'm blue in the face, and that's great. But I've seen a lot of very pretty broken ceramics. Um, and so, you know, there's more to it than that. And so I think the next course that I want to do would be, um, well, for myself, I think I uh, want to do more, um, you know, large implant type cases, mm -hmm. uh, get my knowledge a little bit stronger on that, but also case planning for, for larger cases as well. Yeah. You know, um, there's just a couple, you know, a couple areas within those subjects that I'm not incredibly confident in. Um, and I know that I could do better. And so that's what I'm looking, looking to do next. Something like that. Not settling down. Not settling down. No, no. I mean, I've talked to too many technicians that have said, yeah, I don't go to courses anymore. I just do my thing. Okay. I don't ever want to be that guy. Well, you know, the great, great Greek philosopher, Mediocrities, Mediocrities. said, yeah, it's good, good enough. enough. <laughs> Gosh, we're almost scripted. So, you know, since this is such a unique podcast and such a unique Facebook Live, why don't we kill it off? Uh, who's the guy who does carpool karaoke? Oh, yeah. Who is that guy? Uh, the English guy. Right. Yeah. Talks like this. It talks like this. Talks like this. Oh. Lucas Lamont, don't you settle down. <laughs> LA ain't your kind of town. Ain't no golden, there ain't nobody like me. You made me sing. Lincoln, I sang in two podcasts in a row. Lucas, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having All me. the listeners, thanks for joining us and thanks uh, for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us for this incredible episode of the Ripe Global Podcast. We'll meet you back here next time for some more insights from Ripe Global. And in the meantime, Ripe Global is teaming up with master dentists from all over the world to offer you a fast-growing library of world-class online lectures and masterclasses. Visit our website at www.ripeglobal.com and become a member today.